We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Tuesday, Tuesday, January 3rd, and uh, I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Remember what we do Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays? It's kind of unstructured learning of DFS strategies and game theory to help you level up your game, level up to balloon your profits, and what what, what buzzwords can I to, to never lose again. Now you'll get you're gonna lose plenty in DFS. So if you're if you're not losing plenty in DFS, you ain't playing well. So uh, so I answer your questions here, going over concepts. You can email them in if you're not here in the YouTube chat. Uh, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, it doesn't mean that we'll get to them right away, but it, it gives me a bulk of things to uh, to to work on. And uh, and obviously in the YouTube chat and t- today today I have a topic in mind so maybe we could keep the the YouTube uh, questions and uh, to 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 these the, this topic in general but you could always post whatever you want hit that thumbs up button you know how much it helps us out thummy thumbs good morning what does here early as usual sharpshooter kickstart Bart B Daniel Hutchins Grant Brown Suki Suki's late Suki pal 11 a.m. he's he's late Chase Paula Dare. If you, if you saw if you saw last week's show, we were talking about where does the money come from, right? If you listen to the latest uh, Theory at DFS podcast, that was the title. Where does the money come from, right? Getting down to brass tacks of like where the edge lies in DFS, just in general, from a macro level. Where does the profit come from? Imagine, imagine we're all sitting here, all of us in the YouTube chat, everyone listening at home on the podcast feed, watching later on YouTube. And it's like, oh, we're all going to build plus EV lineups. Oh, isn't that nice? Oh, look at help. Okay, this lineup is profitable. That lineup is profitable. You may be playing triple ups. I may be playing small field GPPs. You may be playing large field GPPs. Hey, we're all building plus EV lineups. Then it's like, well, well, 
Well, if we're all profitable players, where, where does the money come from? Where the hell does the money come from? Well, a lot of the money comes from people that don't watch the show, right? Isn't that great? Isn't it great for you that only uh, maybe, maybe have like several thousand people in, on average that watch the show at all, right? Maybe 10,000 on average watch the show at all. So they're good for us. There are way more many people that play DFS, right? So that that that's a good thing. So they're not building the lineups that we're building, right? But there's also a lot of, a lot of really good players. A lot of people that break even players. Right, they win some, they lose some, but uh, but where does the money come from? Where does that? Everyone can't win, right? The sites take the rake anywhere from like seven to fifteen percent, depending on what stakes and contests you're in. So that money comes out. So now you have to win that money back, and then and then some, and that's that's your profit. Where the hell does the money come from? Where the hell does the money come from? So let so on Friday or whatever, uh, we talked about primarily cash games, right? Or cash games. Uh, double ups, right? Head to heads is is primarily a game of projection, right? We have projection leverage correlation, right? The three levers of DFS, combinatorics. I guess you could add to that, like correlation and combinatorics are kind of kind of their own little thing, maybe. Like I don't want to get too advanced. Okay, so cash games are primarily projection based, right? You project if we if we take an objective. Accurate projection model. There may be some differences between them or whatever like that. But in general, we don't have to argue over the, the difference of a point here and point there. But on, on average, if you're just you're getting 1.8x head to head, like if I if I build the lineup in NFL that has a, a mean projection of 145 and you build one with 128, like I'm I'm probably gonna win, you know, way way more often. Not absurdly, I'm not gonna win 80% of the time, but I'm gonna win more often. And over the rake, whether it be 58, 62, 65, 68%, whatever it is, right? I don't want to get into semantics of exactly what your, your your win rate would be, but it would be more than the rake. But if like I built the lineup that had a 150 projection, you built the lineup that had a 149 projection, while I will win more often than you, but not much more often than you, and uh, the rake eats, eats, eats me, eats you, eats everyone, right? So... If you're going to play cash games, it's primarily due to how many people in your contests, whether it be head-to-head or in a large double-up, build lineups that are too low projected in relation to your own. And we're going to get into that in relation to your own because that's that that's the crux of what DFS is. It's a, it's a game of relative value, not absolute value. Absolute Oh, I'm going to build a lineup that projects for X and is owned at Y. I should win. It's like, well, that's all in in relation to your opponents. You could build one that's worse than that, but if your opponents are even worse than that, then you're the best player in the game, and that you, you'll you may make money over them over the rake, even though those aren't the objectively absolutely best lineups or highest EV lineups. We got some new people in the chat. Defect Charlie Newton, what's up, brother? Oh, we oh oh, I guess I it, I played poker with him. I guess it's at uh, the other day. I don't know. I don't think we got. I don't think we got names or anything like that. You probably, I probably said. To, I don't know. Was that? Uh, are you the basketball player, Charlie? I don't know. I don't think. I don't think I. Uh, we ever actually traded names or anything like that. But but thanks for watching, right? I'm go, I'm going there later today. I'll be there. I'll be I'll be there. Be playing poker, right? Uh, later at uh, Caesar Southern Indiana. But uh, here in the morning, helping you in your DFS game. So so in cash games, it's primarily projection, right? Like let like ownership doesn't really matter. Like 
it technically does, but for the intensive purpose of this, 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 this conversation, it really doesn't matter. It's a game of projection, okay? And just if you have a higher projection than your opponents in relation past the rake, you win. End of story, right? That That's pretty much where the money comes from. Where does the money come from? The people that build lineups that are too low projected. That's it. And low enough projected on average that you could beat the rake, right? That you could beat the rake. Okay, oh, Charlie's from yesterday. Okay, okay, from the other day. From the, the, the scared of river, scared of spot. Okay. I make jokes at the table sometimes. I'm 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 a little I'm a little bit annoying, a little bit annoying, but it, it entertains me, but whatever. Uh so let's talk about GPPs. Okay. Now GPPs have a different payout structure, right? That's the main difference between them. A progressive that's why in the course I always say progressive payout structures versus non-progressive payout structures. Non-progressive payout is like a double up or a 50-50. Once you get to a certain line, everything, all the payouts are the same, right? Even a triple up, right? Once you get to that that uh, 33rd percentile or whatever, 28th percentile, because once you consider the rake, right? All the payouts are the same. Like in a triple, in 31-man triple up, top nine pay, ninth pays the same as first. So it does, like the points that you get to go from ninth to first don't do you any good. It doesn't do you anything, right? So your goal is to, just to get to ninth, right? If you're playing a, a, a quintuple up, your goal is to just just to get to fifth, right, or go whatever it is in your wherever that line is, and then anything past there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at that point. Progressive payout contests are like GPPs, where you know five thousandth place or whatever it is, right? If you had a hundred man contest, right, a lot of these contests is like twenty eighth place pays one point five x, and then it twenty seventh, twenty sixth, twenty fifth, twenty fourth, twenty third, twenty second pays. 2x, 21st pays 2x, 20th, 19th, 18th, like 17th plays pays 3x or 2.5x or something. And then 15th plays 4x, then 15th, 14th, and 13th play 4x, and then 12th, 11th, 10th play 5x, and then 9th pays 6x, then 8th pays 7x, then 7th pays 10x, like it goes like that first play pays 500x or whatever, a very top-heavy type of curve over there. So obviously, most of the equity, right, we'll use the term equity in the contest, is towards the highest payout spots. How much of the equity is first place? We see a lot of contests that even like up to like 33% of the entire equity of the contest is in one payout spot, first place. And that's a very top-heavy payout structure. Sometimes we'll we'll often see somewhere in the 20s where first place has 20%. The first place payout spot is 20% of the equity. Second place has 10% of the equity, right? Third place has 5% of the equity. And then once we get down to the, the, min, the minimum payout spots, then it's like a fraction of a percent of equity, right? So most of the equity is towards the top end, right? You don't have to consider first, 10th, whatever, just top 1%. We'll use that, the 1% buckets to make to make it easy, right? And if you go into Roto Tracker, if you have Roto Tracker, you have a way they show a chart if you track your GPPs, right? You track your contest of where your finish, where your lineups finish in contests. Okay. So you could see from a from a very blunt signal, your goal is to try to get as much of the the, the equity in the top one percent as possible. Whether or not, whether or not like the lineups down here that come in seven in the 75th percentile here versus the 78th percentile, they all pay the same amount anyway, right? So all of this, all of this at the bottom really, really doesn't it's zero dollars financially. The equity this there's no equity here whatsoever. 
right? Until you get up to like, like maybe like this range, like right here, finishing position 25 or something like that. That's, that's when you start cashing, right? And if you're, if you're uh, like a break even GPP player, you will see more of a, of a line here. Like it's more linear where you don't get this big, big top, top end finishing placement in the top 1%, but also realize that a lot of these, these like the equity between 15, 15% percentile and the 25th percentile, isn't that much different, right? Like all of these lines kind of represent the same amount of money, right? Just the same way that all the lines at the bottom represent the same amount of money. Okay. And since most of the equity, I mean, for profit sakes is in the top 1%, like that, that's what you're aiming for. Right. And then even from there, you go in the top 0.1%. And that's, this is where all the equity of the contest is. Okay. So how you get to those positions. Okay. Because cash games is pretty much a game of projection. And GPPs is a game of projection and leverage. Okay. What's leverage? Leverage is, is ownership. Leverage is relative value. All these terms are similar to each other where your goal is to get more points that less people have, right? If you're playing a cash lineup in a GPP, like if you're playing eight highly owned NFL, if you played, you know, I played Amon Ross St. Brown and Greg Dortch and and Garrett Wilson and, and Christian McCaffrey and Jared Goff and Evan Ingram or whatever, whatever led the 49ers defense right this past week. If you played that type of lineup, like highly projected lineup, but you're sharing way too many points with too many people, right? That it's hard to separate yourself, right? Because as you go up, every, most of, a lot of the field goes up at the same time. So your equity position really doesn't change because you're sharing it with so many other people. So while that has a high projection, you're, you're, you're capturing with that lineup a lot of the equity in these middle spots. Okay, so when you play a lineup like that, that is highly projected and highly owned in a GPP, you're basically capturing this middle equity, right? Your 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 equity share is represented primarily in this middle middle zone, and your min I call it the min cash equity, right? Your chances, your probability of minimum cashing for 1.5x or 2x or something like that goes up, right? Your chances of coming in last place go down. But your chances of coming in first place also goes down, right? It may not go down as much as last place because we may see a whole bunch of lineups that are really, really bad, right? But your first place actually goes down. Doesn't mean you can't win first place. No, you can, right? That you that you still your projection's high enough, right? That there's there's some, there's some in the, there's maybe not the top 0.1%, but the top 1%. Maybe in a, you know, thousand, uh, the 10,000 man contest, you come in the top, you come in hundredth place. I mean, that, that's, that's doable, even with the, with the cash line of it, all the chalk smashes, but you don't have enough relative value to capture the equity. That's, that's where most of it is, right? So we have a large proportion of this middle, this middle that if you were representing, you entered your lineup, everything locked, and we take a look at everyone's lineup right, in general, and say, okay, how much equity do you have in this contest? Because that's that's what we're actually trying to compute or estimate, right? It's hard to compute exactly, estimate. 
And so the equity would be like, okay, just, just, okay, I need to real explain what equity is. So in a hundred man contest, everyone puts in a dollar, right? Let's take the rake out, right? We, we, let's say they're running a rake free contest, a hundred man. Everyone puts in a dollar. Uh, your equity at the moment right now is a dollar, right? If everyone was equal, if everyone was equally skilled and equally put in, you know, good lineups, right? A good line, whatever, whatever, the same lineup, right? Everyone has a dollar equity. Okay. Now, depending on the lineup that you play, your equity will go up, right? So let's say, and it's, and you're, I, I really have to, this is a, this is a deeper concept. This is, you can find this. I talk about this in both the fundamentals masterclass, as well as the, the, the advanced course. So you have a dollar, you know, there's a hundred man contest. You put in a dollar. Everyone has a dollar equity, right? Right now. Now let's say, let's say there's a lineup. Let's say someone built a completely cash lineup, right? Like the highest projected lineup possible, right? The median optimal, right? Probably high owned, right? Cause probably those players we mentioned before the last week's NFL slate. Okay. Let's say your equity, what would your equity be? Well, you wouldn't be able to know how much, what your equity would be without looking at the other 99 lines. Okay. Because remember, this is a game of relative value, not absolute value, right? It has nothing to do. If you play that high projected lineup and everyone else is playing injured players, you know what your first place equity is? It's it's a, your equity in the contest could be a hundred dollars, right? Like imagine that extreme, right? It's always good to learn from extremes. Imagine that extreme. That your hundred man contest, dollar each. You you submit your your brutally chalky cash lineup, right? The, the, the median optimal of your projections. And then 99 of your opponents, like, just literally play, like, the injured players. Like, just guys that are, are, are not even active for the game. So they, they're all guaranteed to get zero, which means what is their equity? Each of those lineups would have $0 equity. Your lineup would have $100 equity, right? You spent that dollar, and now, you, now everything locked, you have $100 equity. Because I guess you could have negative rushing yard. I mean, I, is there a... Everyone gets zero and you get a negative score. It's probably absurdly unlikely, right? So maybe it's not in, in the theoretical sense. There's some universe where you get a negative score, right? Between eight players that are all playing uh, that maybe, maybe you have uh, $99 and 99, 99, 99, 99 cents worth of equity. And all the other lineups have like, like you know, you, if you took a penny and you just took a little like molecule off and like, they all have that that type of thing. So just, just to get technical there. So, th so that's what your equity would be. But now let's say we, we don't make it that extreme. We make it so that you're playing that highly projected lineup, right? And everyone else is playing a lineup that is like 50 points lower projected than yours. Obviously going to be way low. Like, like actually you're the ownership of your lineup is actually going to be much lower because so many other people aren't playing those players. Uh, what is your equity? Now, I'm not going to give you a direct, there's no direct calculation because you have to run all the lineups. You have to run all the possibilities and all that, that, but in likelihood, your first place equity is probably quite high. Even, even though it's a progressive payout GPP, people are building lineups that are 50 points median lower than yours. So the, your equity in these spots. So now we're going to look at where does your equity lie in that case? Okay. You're not going to have that much equity in these last spots, right? Your lineup projects for like, if if the if your median is 150 and there and everyone else is playing a 100 lineup, 
Like you're most likely not coming in last place. You're most likely not coming in the bottom 10%. You're most likely not even coming in the bottom 20% or even 30%. Like a lot of these lines would be all the way down at the bottom. Be very, very, very thin right at the bottom. And then it would start rising. It would start rising very heavily in this, in the min cash zone, right? It would start rising very heavily. Like your, your chance of a min cash is way high. I mean, your, your, your equity in, in those zones would be, would be insane. And then it would start coming down, right? Once we get around maybe the 10%, 10%, it would start coming down. It would still be higher than average, but it would start coming down, 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 down. And maybe, I don't know what I did there. Uh, okay. Uh, it would come down and maybe your first place equity is still above, your chance of finishing in first place is still more than 1%. So maybe your maybe your equity in, in in first place may actually be three three and a half percent, right? Because those lineups are just so low projected. They have to make up so much ground in relative value that maybe some of them do, but not not many of them. So you may have a lot more equity in like seventh place, right? You have a lot more equity in in twelfth place, but you also have pretty good equity in first place, also. Right. Still on average, if they're playing those bad lineups. So all all your equity from the last place spots are kind of chunking up in that middle zone and still coming down towards the, you know, the last, the final 10 percentiles. But still, by the time it gets to the first place line, you're still way above average. You're still way, way, you're way profitable. So what how much equity do you have in the contest? Maybe you're one dollar. Entry, maybe, maybe, maybe he's really worth like four dollars and fifty cents or something like that. And while you may not win, a lot of that four dollars and fifty cents may not even be in the, when you win. It may just be in that maybe you you cash like like if if you have to cash in the top twenty five percent, maybe you get there. You know, it's a seventy five twenty fifth uh, percentile finish, right towards the top twenty five percentile finish. And you finish there like 60% of the time, 65% of the time. And if we ran this over and over and over and over and over again, like maybe the first 10 times, like you don't win. Maybe you come in eighth once, right? But you come in like, you know, you come in like 15th out of 100, 20th out of 100, like four out of five times, just simply because your, your lineup projects for so ridiculously more points but not absurdly more, but still 50 point difference like that. So how much equity do you have? You, you have insane amount of equity, but it's primarily not due to the strength of your own lineup. It's due to the lack of strength of your opponent's lineups. Now let's, let's move it up a little bit further. Let's say you play that cash lineup and everyone else is playing a lineup that is like maybe eight points lower projected but like half is owned, right? So they're, they're, they're picking up little, you know, they're, they're playing some of what, who you're playing. They're playing out of your eight players in your lineup. A lot of people are playing like five of them, right? No one's playing all eight of them, but most are playing like five of them. And then it's a three V three different three V threes, obviously. So it's not the same five, right? It's kind of, a, they're playing five chalk high projected players and then three slightly lower. Right. And we're just removing correlation for the moment for this, uh, so basically, they're increasing the variance of their lineup in relation to yours. Your lineup is very normally distributed. 
right? It's very based around, you know, mean median, right? Not ownership at all. So you you have the highest owned communal and product owned lineup in the entire contest. So your min cash equity, because of projection, is still higher than those lineups. Okay, so in this mid zone here, in this finishing mission, like I'm just waving my mouse around here, is actually going to be higher. Your equity lies. You get a big chunk of what's in the middle. You don't have that much towards the tail end because you, you project eight points higher, eight to 10 points higher than the other lineups. But, you know, you get a little bit more now in the, you know, this this 50 range. You're not getting any money, right? So but you're going to get a little bit more here and a little bit more in the 34th range. You're not getting any money. And then you got more of a balloon. You have more than your fair share in this like 25 to 10 to 25 range kind of, right? You way more than your fair share. But now when your equity starts coming down from the 10 for 10 percentile, it starts coming down a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster. And while you do still have like top 3% equity, maybe, maybe, maybe top 5% equity that that's, you know, at that break even point, but then you start coming down and you're now you're below average in like top 4%, top 3%, top 1%, right? You're below average now, right? Because you need you basically need all the chalk to hit in order to win because you have so, so many points that so many other lineups also have, right? Because even the other three player, like if someone has five and a 3v3 and they're sharing five players of yours, like you're up against a lot of other 3v3s, right? You're... Every the combination of your lineup, everyone else is kind of sharing in some regard. So, you know, you get a Mike Evans, right? Like what happened on Sunday. Like, as long as what like as long as one person played a lineup just like yours, but instead of Garrett Wilson and the 49ers defense, they played the Saints defense and Mike Evans. Like that they, they you can't beat them because you're sharing players, you're sharing six other players with them, right? So Mike Evans puts up 51 and you're you're, you're done, right? And all the other, these other, you know, Mike Evans may only be 3% owned out of the 100 people in your contest. But if they're playing lineups that are only eight points, five to eight points lower projected, they're probably sharing a whole bunch of points with you also, right? So when Mike Evans put up 51, even though only three lineups have him, the relative value of Mike Evans is insane, right? So all those Mike Evans lineups are just shooting up, shooting up. And it's, Long and in relation. So that lineup could have Amon Ross St. Brown with a snowflake in it if he's 70% owned in this contest because the he's making up, that lineup is making up those points because it's shared by, those few points are shared by so many people in the field that the the 3% of lineups that have Mike Evans could, as long as, long as you're only competing against 100 people, like you could you could win this GPP easily just simply based on relative value. Now, if that lineup with Mike Evans was like 40 points lower projected, it gains a lot in relative value when when Mike Evans goes off for 51 points, but it may not even get to the first place line because all the other players in your lineup are way too low projected. Maybe you get the, the, this this type of lineup comes in third place and you go, wow, I can't believe the out of the three people that play Mike Evans in this 100-man GPP, this guy got the third and you look at his lineup and you see like, you know, I don't know. I don't know who the hell you see like to be that low projected. Some like fourth receiver, right. From, from something, you know, they, they played uh, uh, Anthony Schwartz as a punt 
I don't know if he was active for the Browns and played like, uh, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, like there's a couple of play- players in there that project for really poorly. Uh, and they still have some decent stuff around or whatever. And you go, wow, as long if the guy just played like the guy just play- got Greg Dorch's five points instead of Anthony Schwartz's zero for the same price, he would have won first place. Right? So that was a bad line because it projected, you know, Anthony Schwartz was projected for two and Dorch was projected for 10. It's like those eight points, raw points would have mattered because you got all that relative value from Mike Evans being at 3%. So now I'm going a little, a little bit, a little bit into the weeds here, but where does the money come from? We get, we get back into where does the money come from? So when you build lineups uh, that have the proper or at least around the proper balance of projection and ownership, which means you're increasing the variance of your lineup in relation to your opponents, right? It's all in relation. That's what relative value is. So the more that you have a correct balance of high enough projection, you don't want too low, right? If you're playing against lineups that have too low of a projection, they're seeding equity to all other lineups in relation, right? If obviously, if you're playing a hundred man and everyone's playing a lineup that's fifty points lower than median, then the baseline is that is that is that line. Right, the first say the best lineup you could build via projections is 150. But in this contest, this hundred man, everyone's decided to build lineups between 110 and 100. Right, so if you walk in and you and you and you have a lineup that is 128, like you you have a lot of equity, even though it's like what 22 percent, 22 points below the possible. It's just that you're playing against 99 opponents that are even worse than you. Right, that's the key here to think in terms of relation to your opponents, because people come with questions of like, is this a good lineup? Is this a good lineup? Well, I don't know. What contest are you in? What does the ownership look like? How, how how strong or weak is the field? Like that that matters almost more than the objective. Like what does the lineup look like, right? What does the projection versus ownership look like? Well, what is that in relation to the people in your contest, right? That's why in uh, in uh, theory DFS for advanced players, the custom Excel tools, you can download your contest CSV, right? We include these Excel tools. James McCool has worked very hard on them. Right, you have Microsoft Excel. You could use them. You could download your contest CSV, and we have a contest uh, analyzer, and you could import your projections or the projections here at Roto Grinders. Right, if you, if you have a subscription uh, with the projected ownership and everything like that. So that's that's on one sheet in that in the in the that tool, and then you could download the CSV from your contest and cut and paste all the lineups. Right, you could just cut and paste all the people's lineups and everything like that right in there. And you could see, you could you could look through. You could go through. You could sort by by username. You could sort by you could sort by uh, projection. Sort by ownership. Sort by ceiling. Sort by floor. And just take a look and go. You know, oh, I'm going to download the whatever twelve dollars single entry, whatever the hell. It's there's fifteen hundred people, and go. Okay, I want to take a look at all the lineups and based on my projections or the Roto Grinders projections and ownership, like what what do they all look like? And you'll see on the bottom, you'll see lineups that. That, you know, NFL, if your lineup projects for 136, you'll see lineups, you'll see, you'll see lineups at the bottom that project for like 104, 106, right? You'll see, you'll, you'll see a bunch of those. You'll also see lineups and let's talk about where does the money come from, right? So the money comes from those lineups that, that while they are low owned and they're typically really low owned because they're like, oh, what's all the chalk? Let me X them all out. 
And who cares if the lineup projects for 35 points lower? Like, it's those types of lineups, the people that are getting way too contrarian, especially for the, you know, what where the equity is, how much equity you can get, like compared to like the Millie Maker, right? Not in raw money, but just how top heavy, like how much relative value do you need to get the first place? Uh, so that's where a lot of the money comes from. A lot of the money in DFS comes from, if you take a look at this graph, I have a sketch pad here. So I'm, I'm going to try to use this. I, maybe I should have set this up a little bit differently. So those bad lineups, if we if we take a look at these these this type of graph, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of draw, right? Okay, that's that's not a that's not the drawing tool. This is gonna be really bad, right? We see these are the finishing positions. So this is this is first first place, and this is this is a hundredth place, right? And like a hundred man, right? So bad lineups, right? If this is if this is the line. Right. Right. This is the fair share. Right. So if you finish here, you're getting your fair share amount of times in those percentiles. Right. The hundredth to the first top first. Right. So bad lineups kind of kind of like bad projected lineups kind of look kind of look like this. Like if I start from here, they have a little kind of kind of a curve. Like kind of like 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 this. Like they kind of are almost are almost linear, right? They're they're almost. I mean, this is very not a good example, but they kind of they kind of almost like like all their equity is in like all these last place spots, right? They do have some first place equity, right? Because they have so hot, they have so much, they have so much low ownership, not much relative value because like the projection is just so low, right? Even if all their players hit hit their their ninetieth percentile outcome they still may not even get the first place, right? Like it's th- like those lineups are that bad. So like, yeah, when when they overperform, like they come in like 20th place or 15th place, right? Or something like that. But a lot of their equity is in spots that have $0, right? These equity spots are just like nothing, right? You don't get anything until you get to like over here, right? Can I, can I, can I just delete that line? Yeah, okay. So, but you're building lineups with proper ownership and, and projection that look more like this. So if we say that this is this line is where your fair share is, I mean, it's, it looks very similar to my graph right over there. Like it looks something more like, well, that's a little too, too low. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a good drawer. Okay. So if this is the line where you're going, it looks something more like, like, like this. Right. And a lot of times if, in a perfect world, you, you actually would get more last place finishes. But because there's so many poor projected lineups, like the, the line doesn't like end up coming up there. But theoretically, it should actually come up and be, be curved up. And so you get actually more than your fair share of like last 10th place finishes, last 10% finishes. Okay. But you see here, if this is the min, this is a horrible, horrible graph. But let's say this is the min cash line right here. This, this, this dot right here. Okay. So if you see here that, your fair share of min caches actually goes down, right? If someone was playing, let's say someone was playing a lot of their cash lineup. So what does a cash lineup's distribution look like when it comes to equity? Okay. So I already have this line here. Can I use another color? Let's see. Can I use another color on this? Uh, paint into layer, color, fill. Okay. I don't know. I don't even know. Can I change the color here? I have no idea. I'm just going to use black again. You can have, maybe you get confused, but whatever. So 
when you play that cash lineup, you're going to get a lot more of your fair share. So your line is going to be above here for these min cash zones. So you're going to have something more like this. Maybe, maybe it's below for 1%. You're going to have something that looks kind of like, like, like this. Right. It comes up there and, and it starts diving deep down over here. Like something, something like that. Right, that's what your distribution is going to look like if you're ca if you're playing your cash lineup. So you see here, you capture like in this zone. If this is the line, look at all this min cash equity you gain, right? Especially compared to like the really low projected lineups that like are still down here in min cash equity. So like this is this is where most of your money comes from, right? This min cash. But look, you're under the line when it comes to first place equity. So you, it's not like you don't have any but you have less than your fair share. You have more than your fair share of min cash equity. But the way that these contests are in, in DFS, like you're not going to finish. You're not going to finish here often enough, right? So you'll, you'll have a lot of this zone over here. You'll have a lot of min cash, a lot of dollar, dollar you know, 1.5X, 2X, 3X, right? You'll get some, you'll get less than your fair share of 10Xs, but you're not, you're not, you still get some, Right. But then the person that's building a lineup that is still highly projected, but lower owned, right? Low, lower projected than yours. Look at where their min cash line is. They're min cashing much less. Like they're less than their fair share of min caches of three X's and two X's and stuff like that. But look, way more than their fair share of firsts, tenths, hundredths, like 10 X's and 15 X's and up here. They, they don't happen as frequently, but you, they get paid more. So most of their lineup's equity comes from this zone. And where does most of the equity lie in GPPs? In that zone. That's where the zone is, okay? So where does the money come from? So it's like, okay, if they have more than their fair share of equity in this first place, where does it all come from, right? Well, it comes from a lot of these min cash people right? So people that play two highly owned lineups, they may have a high projection, but they're too highly owned. They don't have enough relative value. And they also come from the third line, right? The, what, what was the, the crappy, the way too low projected person, right? That looks something more like, like maybe, uh, maybe something more like, more like, Uh, maybe it doesn't go over the fair share over here. So I let, let me let me let me remove that. Can I can I remove just that line? Yeah, okay. Right, because it doesn't go, get over your fair share. So it's like something it looks something more like more like 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 this. And you get more than your fair share. Right. So actually it looks something more like 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 that, that-ish, right? So that line. Those are the very bad projected lineups. They're high owned, they're low owned, but they're too low projected. So basically. They're getting less of their fair share of min cash equity and first place equity, although they still have some first because they have a ton of ton of low ownership. So like some chalk, all the chalk fails and tons of two percent owned players go off for forty points. Yeah, okay, that happens, right? And the, the winning score, those slates, like the the milli winner would be like one sixty seven, and not like the, oh wow, such a low score. For, for the milli winner. Yeah, all the chalk failed and some guys building lineups that are 30 points lower projected. Like they got their ceiling outcomes and there you go. There you go right there. Okay? So these bad lineups, like look at all this equity 
in these bad spots, these bad lineups have? Well, who's getting this? Well, the good players that are building lineups in the first place, I believe. And then you have the lineups that are that the cash type lineups that remove this equity. See, this is under the line right here, this spot under the line. Where does this equity go? Well, it goes to those people also. And the good people that build the lineups that have a balance of projection and ownership are removing, basically, they're saying, I want to sacrifice my min cash equity. I can I cash this in? I want to cash in my min cash equity, right? I want to just take out 10 the 10th to 25th percentile, right? I just want to take it out. Take it out. I, I maybe not completely, because you, you may go broke at that point with the amount of variance in DFS. So you may still want to have some of your lineups min cash at 3x because you may not have that big of a bankroll to do that, to sustain that. But for the most part, the thinking is I want to give in my min cash equity and trade it in for top 1%, top 5%. Top, you know, I, I, I want to trade that equity. But how do I get it? I can't just go to DraftKings. I'm going to call them up on the phone. Hey, I'm playing a contest tomorrow with the, with the 99 other players in a 100-man contest. Can you, can you, I'm going to submit a lineup that's like, that is a balance of projection and ownership. And uh, I, 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 I want you to sacrifice my 20th. I, I just want either I come in the top five spots or I don't. It's like, well, they, they don't control that. Who controls it? Your opponents control it. Your opponents control it. How many lineups look more like the cash game lineup? How many lineups look like the, I don't know, the piss poor projection lineup, the triple P, the piss poor projection lineup? How many look like that? There are going to be plenty of lineups in there that look like yours, right? That sacrifice min cash equity and have a balance of projection and ownership, right? It's in relation to your opponents. So if in a in a in a contest where a lot of sharp players are, right? Maybe, maybe an 100 man contest with very if, if it was me times nine ninety nine, right? It was me 100 me's in the contest, right? You probably won't find any lineup that I make that looks like, you know, the really bad piss projected four lineup, right? The triple P lineup. You probably won't even find lineups that look like too highly for like too highly owned, right? Like that either. You're going to find line. It's going to be a line that looks like this, a line that looks slightly lower than that, a line that looks slightly lower than this, a line that looks slightly lower than that. Now, if we didn't consider rake in this contest, like a lot of those lineups would be only marginally different, only marginally more profitable, more marginal, have slightly more equity in first place, slight, slightly less equity in first place, like be very close. So if a hundred people played like that, then everyone, your equity of a $1 is like a dollar two. Some lineups would be a dollar one. Some lineups would be 98 cents. Some lineups would be 99 cents, like something like that. Uh, so some lineups would be slightly better than others. But then once you take the rake and say, well, this contest is a 15% rake. Me me and my 99 clones, right? That are all building independently their own lineups that are different. We're all going to be losers, right? So one of us, one of my clones has to be better on average than my than the other one. So if one person can build a lineup that has an even better projection versus ownership, it still has to be better, so it ends up being a dollar fifteen or higher. Now, in a very sharp contest with people that aren't making the two big mistakes of too high owned or too low projected, there may not be. There may not be. Once you take once you take the rake out, this equity goes underneath the line. It's like no matter how many times it's it, the sites take out too much money. 
So if you're playing it against in a, in, a, in the sharpest contest when there's, there's, there's everyone is building these types of lineups, right? There's probably there's an exploit in that by just capturing a ton of min cash equity, and maybe if people are building what, still way too low projected lineups for the contest, maybe you, just, you cut off. Maybe you end up with a dollar two, a dollar three, because you could just capture all the min cash equity that they're leaving behind. But that that's for another that's for an, another topic for another day. But in general, where does the where does the money come from? It's not coming from the hundred. If you hundred sharp players played, like there wouldn't be a point in playing. So they have to hope, right, and pray, right, to the DFS gods, or they just simply look, right. They just simply actually look at before the slate locks and goes, who's in this contest, right? It's a hundred men. Now we're not talking about large field, but it, same concept applies. If I saw the people a- entering, right. And I go, well, that guy sucks. This guy sucks. That guy sucks. That guy is just going to play his cash lineup. This guy is just going to play his cash. This guy plays 50,000 in volume and just plays it like his, his double up lineup will be in everything. So it's like, he'll be in this contest also. It's like, okay. So it's one of these curves right now. It doesn't represent much volume to them, so they don't care. They don't realize that they're giving up, you know, equity to the to the top spots, but you can take advantage of it, right? So you're going to see who's in the contest and are they building lineups that are just too low projected or too high owned, right? How many of them exist? And the more that exist, that's where the money, that's where the money in this spot, this zone over here, this dot, that's where that comes from, okay? So you're trying to build more lineups like that on average. Because remember, let's say 99 people enter the contest with you and they're all building lineups that are either too high or too low. Like the quality of your lineup from a balance of projects and ownership doesn't have to be that great, right? You could, you'd rather have it be the best, right? You'd be the most profitable, but you could still be highly profitable with like, like, dude, if 99, let's say you have 99 people and what, like half of them are building, are just throwing in their cash lineup and half of them are playing lineups that have like such low projection. They're playing injured players. If we want to exaggerate it, like, dude, you could just basically play, take, take your cash lineup, take your highly projected, highly owned lineup and just like do it three V three. Right. Especially if you can predict that what that, this lineup is going to be, or most of these lineups are going to be and have your three B three be as low owned and high projected as possible. Right. Cause so many of these, these lineups if like 40 or 50 of them exist in this contest, I'm not saying this actually happens, but in this example, like, like, dude, they're going to be all bunched up and sharing points. So like your guys, your 3v3, it's not going to be like the large field ownership, like in this hundred man, like you may be playing a 3v3 and the three guys that are different than this may only be in like five lineups total, right? Some of these bad lineups will have one of them. Some of the, these cash lines may have one of them, but your 3v3 will be essentially like, Okay, you'll have an 80% owned guy, a 70% owned guy, a 60% owned guy, because they're all kind of in these types of lineups. And then your differentiators, your three different other people that only project for like one and a half points lower than the option that these guys are playing mostly is going to be 2% owned. Right? Because who, who no one's playing, no, no one's playing them, right? Maybe there's some of the bad lines or whatever. Maybe they should be 15% on, but no, they're two because everyone else is kind of playing kind of the same line. So like if that, that guy goes, you have two, you have three, 2% on guys that shouldn't be two. They should be 15. So it's not like these aren't low projected people. These are just, they're just a point or two lower than the chalk, than the, the cash lineup people. 
right? You got another wide receiver. Instead of playing Garrett Wilson, you played Jacoby Myers or something. You played Cortland Sutton or something where it, he projects for three points lower, right? And you did like, so your lineup is like five points lower projected than these lineups, but like those players are like 2% owned, 1% owned because none of these 40, 50 lineups have any of that have, have them at all, right? And some of these bad lineups have them and you don't even have to worry about most of those because they go off. They also have like five guys that are, are completely unowned or 1% owned and their projection is so low. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But what what is the dynamic on how you choose that? It's based on your opponents. Where does the money come from? The money comes from bad lineups. The money does not come from good your good lineup. The money comes from bad lineups. And as long, just like what we talked about last week with the cash games, in GPPs, as long as you're building better lineups that have a higher than its fair share of equity, especially in the where the equity lies, most of the equity lies, top 1%, top 0.1%, you build lineups that have that type of line, on average, in comparison to your opponents, that's where the pro, that there's your money. Now, the realization of that equity, that, welcome, welcome to the swings of DFS. I mean, like, you'd, if everyone's equally skilled, you'll win this one out of a hundred times. Let's say you're a, such a favorite that you win this one every 50 times. That, that, that would be an insane edge, but you still 49 times. You don't come in first, but you probably come in eighth, a bunch of times fourth, right? You may come in last. The, the min cash lineups don't, you know, you, you come in last because all the, all these cash lineups beat you or whatever. But still, as far as winning is concerned, I mean, it's still, you're not going to just go in and like, I'm going to win first place every time. That's not DFS. You should know that by now. Right? So the variance is still going to be enormous, even with that big of an edge like that. But it's more in relation to your opponents. So when we talk about, like uh, like James, we talked about yesterday, I say the Millie Maker has the biggest edge in all of DFS. 
He goes, but it's a million to first and a hundred thousand a second. And by the time you get to, you know, it's like, it's a, it's so much of the equity is in like first place that like you need like 8 million lifetimes in order, not 8 million, but you need, you need, a, you need multiple lifetimes in order to, even with 150 lineups to possibly realize that equity, even if you're playing well. So a lot of times it's a matter of, it's just selection bias of what happens in our lifetime. And whether or not I win or Brandon Adams wins or or Squirrel Patrol wins or whoever, right? Or Papa Gates or something like that, or some rando or whatever, whatever the hell it is. But the reason the reason why it's so plus EV is because of so many lineups that look like this like low projected line and so many lineups that look like this min cash line. Like there's so many more of those lineups. Like 30% of the field are those lineups. And then, like, there's more, and then one's closer to it. And you start going, and you see that, like, half the lineups in the contest are lineups that are basically seeding first place and top one percentile equity. They're either seeding it to, to min cash more often, or they're seeding it to come in last place more often because the lineups are really, really low projected, right? So if you're coming into that contest going, okay, DraftKings, you call them up on the phone. You say, I want to, I want to, you know, all that min cash equity that these, these lineups, you know, people are entering their cash lineup and like the best plays, right? You look at Roto Grinders, you go to, you go to our expert survey, right? You go to our content and what are the best plays? But everyone's kind of playing the best plays. Maybe it's slightly different best plays, but mostly best plays. And you go, I'm just going to plug in the eight best, nine best plays. So it's like, yeah, you're going to get your higher than your fair share of min cash zone equity, 2x equity, 3x equity. But you're spending $20. Like, like your, your, your $20 entry is probably only worth like 16 bucks now, right? Once you add on, especially with the rake, right? I'm taking that, like the, the, the good GPP players, building lineups with the, the appropriate balance of projection and ownership are building these lineups with this line. So they're saying I'm we're seeding the min cash equity. And we're you know who we're seeding it to? To the people playing their cash lineup and cash type lineups into the contest. We're going, oh, oh, these lineups come in, these cash lineups come in. They got entered, right? They walk in the door and they go, I'd I I I I'd love to win first place. And then someone at the desk says, Well, you don't really have that much of a shot at winning first place, but we do here have this min cash equity. And they're like, like, okay, I'll take the min cash equity. Where'd you get the min cash equity from? It's like, oh, uh, and, and and down the hall are the, are the people that left it off here because they traded it in for first place equity. And they're like, well, how do I do that? It's like, well, the thing that you submitted, like, that's that's not it. Like, that's not it. You need to build more lineups that look more like that. What exact lineup? We're not talking about exact line, but that's where the money comes from. Okay. This is how the dynamics of how G, the equity and GPP works, of where the money comes from. So what contests should you be playing? Contests that have more opponents, more lineups that look like one, that look towards one or both. You're going to find both of them in your contest. And then the amount of projection versus leverage, you know, the amount that you need will be commensurate with the amount of players in lineups that are playing one of these two distribution curves. If you find a contest that I'll have a lot of these types of lineups, your, your lineups on average to the right, like let's say there's a hundred people in this contest. And let's just say, let's just say 40 people are building this cash lineup distribution type of lineup. 
and 40 people are building this very low projection, you know, very low, like communal live ownership of 15%. Like everyone's 1% because they're low projected, right? 40, 40 are doing that and 40 are doing this. So there's 20 people left. And maybe those 20, you and those 19, right? The 20 of you are building lineups that are more like this GPP proper type of lineup that projection versus ownership. Well, now we're just fighting over the 20 of us are fighting over this, this, this part up over here. That's, that's really what we're doing. 20. And we all, if we all built lineups similar to each other, similar, not in players, but just in the balance of projection versus ownership, it's quite likely that the 20 of us may be very close on what our fair share of this part of the pie is. Right. So this this runs once and one of our one of us 20 wins. I come in fourth. This guy comes in 17. Some of us, you know, don't make it. Right. And then the next time it goes, and this other person wins first place. One of the one of the the uh, one other person of the 20. Now, if you look at the, in between the 20 lineups, you may go, this lineup actually stands to get more first place equity than the 20th lineup, right? But it's still possible if there's enough people that the 20th best lineup, quote unquote best, out of the 20 that remain, it's still profitable because it wins still enough of the share up over here in relation to the rest of the opponents. Now let's go to a different example. Let's say there's only 10 people. Let's let, let, let 20 people. 20 people putting in like cash type lineups with this distribution, 20 people putting in garbage lineups, PPP lineups, piss poor projecting lineups. Now there's 60 people putting in lineups that are, that are more GPP worthy, that that proper balance. Okay. Now we're fighting. Now there's 60 of us fighting over this share. So the differences between number one and number 60 may matter a lot more. Maybe, maybe, the final 20 out of that, that 60, although they they have a decent balance of ownership and projection, still not enough to the top 40. So these 20, you may not, you may not, you'll win, you may win first 20, but as you enter and enter and enter and enter, enter and then once you slap the 15% rake over it, at the end of a thousand, 10,000 trials, like you actually, your lineup, you may actually have only like 96 cents. Out of the dollar, well, these other line the line the the lineups you know, at forty to twenty have like a dollar four, right? And the lineups at like like towards the top have like a dollar eleven, like that type of thing, because there's less people where the where the money's coming from, so maybe not everyone's able to eat, right? The better ones are going to eat more, but it doesn't mean they're going to be eating that much more than even if you're there sitting in that that sixty top sixty type, you know, types of lineups, you're in like 46 or whatever like that. Like you, you'll still be okay, but you'd be better off if you're building, if you're still not building to, like the proper balance, the most proper balance, you'd be better off going, hey, maybe I could find a contest instead of that has 40 bad lineups in it. Maybe that has 50. So now you're only competing against 50 other people and maybe you'd be the 32nd out of 50 and now you could get more than your fair share. Maybe now your lineups turn into $3, $4 returns rather than 96% cent returns. So a lot of this has to do with the bad players. It's very similar to poker. You said there's a nine-handed table, right? Ten-handed, let's say it's a ten-handed. You're playing full ring, who knows, right? 
and there's a seat open on two different tables, right? You see one table and it's like nine above average players, above average players, but you're, but you're, but you're better than them, right? Right. So you're, 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 you're an, you're an, you're, you're a good player. And these are like above average, but still you're better than them. And it, there's nine of them at the table. So you're like, I am better than everyone at this table, but only by about this much, right? Enough, but not that much, right? And then you take a look at this, this table over here that has a seat open. There's nine players sitting there. There's seven players at, the, there's seven players at the table that are really good. They're like, on, they're on your level or maybe two or three may, may be better than you. And you go, I, I'm scared of those two people. And these five other people, I don't even know if they would break even at best. I mean, I people that I respect, and I don't think I'm going to make much. I'm going to make much money if even if I are am slightly better. And then there's two other people sitting there that are insanely bad players, just insanely bad players. Okay, which is the more profitable table to go to? Well, it's very easy. Sit down at the table with the two insanely bad players. If they're bad enough, they should be able to feed. Maybe not all seven of the other players, right? Because the two really good players are going to get more than their fair share than the next five, than me and the next, you know, other people there, right? But maybe they're bad enough that I could I could still be pro, I could still siphon off enough, right? Obviously, the really, really good players, they don't even care what table they play at. They want to play against the worst players that dump the most. And that to them, that's ever anyone, just levels of dumping to them. But even though you're better than, the nine players at the other table, you're still not enough better on average that you can make up for the rake in, in, in poker. So, you, so what's the deciding factor? People sometimes look at one, the one table with the two bad players and the two really good players and the five players that you're like, like, yeah, you're, we're about as good as each other and go, I can't play in that game. Right. It's like, like it's a really solid lineup other than these two guys. Like, no, no, you should be judging it based on, the bad players. Where does the money come from? That's it. That's what you should, the relative skill between you, right? Now, if you go to a table that has nine players sitting at it and you're significantly better than, significantly better, right? They're they're not insanely bad, all, not, all nine of them, but they're bad, right? The whales, the two bad players at the other table would have to be so bad that you have to determine do I go and go against the two really, really bad players and try to fight amongst the other seven guys, especially the two really great players? Or I could sit in this table and be like above everyone on average. I'm not going to play as well as those two great players or maybe even the five players that that are also at the game that are, that are good, that are solid. But I could sit down and know that like all nine of my opponents are are pretty bad. They're not horrible, horrible, but they're pretty bad. And then if I consider that that's worth it, I'll, I'll play in this game. And maybe I will end up with more money on average than the greatest player in the other game because the two whales, once one of the whales gets up, now there's only one really bad player, maybe that game isn't even profitable anymore. Or all the players at the table are trying to eat off of their losses, right? The same applies in DFS. The same applies in DFS. And especially in the Millie Maker, you download the Millie Maker CSV, and you will find lineups that project for something that you'd be like, how is it possible 
that there could be this many lineups that project for that badly. Like, how is it possible? Now, obviously, you'll, you're going to get a, you'll get 100, 200, 300 lineups that were never just ne- literally never submitted. Right? Just like the zero. You'll say nothing. There's nothing there. Right? You'll get a couple of hundred like that. Then you'll get ones that like the, the median, the median optimal is like 145. And you'll see lineups that project for 72, 75. Right? And you go, how, how is it possible these lineups could be like that? Right? Just button mashers. Who knows? People that forgot, dummy lineups. I have no idea. And you go start going through and you see from a projection standpoint how many lineups exist like that. And it's like, damn, there's a lot more than I thought. And then you go to the other line and go, okay, I'm going to look for the highest projected lineups or the highest owned lineups like that. The cash lineups, how many of those are there? You know, you'd be shocked of how many of those there are, right? Not, not, I'm not talking about trains and dupes or anything, but ones that like it's, it's, it's the cash lineup that you're playing and it, and it's like the defense is different, right? Or one, it's a one V one. Like look for those lineups. There's tons of those lineups also. Yeah, they have high min cash equity and there are enough bad lineups that maybe that min cash equity is actually worth it. Maybe you actually do make a profit with those lineups. Very small, right? But you'll see, you'll down and go, holy, holy shit. How many lines? Like, dude, I don't have to build, I don't have to be Chipotle addict to make money in this contest. Just realizing the equity is going to be, you know, I need to go through, I, get one of those phone booths from Doctor Who or something like that. So I can, whatever, to live 700 lives in order to realize it. But that's where the money comes from. So any contest that, you, that you're looking in the lobby. Now, is are you going to be detailed enough to like, oh, I'm going to click through to my, my uh, this is a 3,600 entry, $3 contest. And I'm going to go through every name and go through the line and go, okay, this guy's playing, this guy's playing. Let me count the play. No, but download the CSVs. So you're, if you're playing a contest regularly, download the CSVs and look and see how many lineups are really poor projected. How many lineups are too high owned? And as a percentage, come up with a percentage. And, and you don't have to be, there's, not, there's no perfect. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a formula. But see how many of those types of lineups. And then maybe you play other contests. Maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to see what that looks like in the in the nine dollar slant for NFL. I'm going to look like what that looks like in the hundred dollar spy. I'm going to look like what that's whatever you know. Like you're going to go around and just see where where are the where are the bad lineups? What percentage bad? And you could even you could have the two different things. How many percentage bad because of bad projection PPP lineups? And how many like you know virtual cash lineups are there? And have two different indicators and go in this contest on average because you're. You're down, if you're playing a daily sport like NBA, you could get that data like every day, right? You go every day. But these contests tend to have more of these types. And then, and then you go and find the contests that have the worst, the worst players, the worst lineups, right? And you may find, you may find that some contests, there's actually more of a proportion of bad projected lineups and not min cash lineups. And then maybe some line, some contests, especially the single entry stuff that have a way higher proportion of min cash lineups. And much less on the lower projected. If you if you play like uh, the daily, like an NBA or something, like if you play the like two hundred dollar three max or two fifty two fifty four, no, it's about what is one hundred and fifty single entry, whatever it is. I've been playing NBA DFS in a month, a month and a half. Uh, like that contest, that single entry, like three figure contest, typically has like maybe eight hundred, maybe eight hundred, maybe three hundred, maybe some somewhere in that range. Uh, 
you won't find many like poorly projected lineups, right? Lineups that are, you know, in NBA, the median is uh, optimal is 280 and you're finding lineups with like uh, 255 or something. You're not, you're pretty much not going to find that. Occasionally, yeah, you will. Uh, but you will find lineups that if the median optimal is 280, you'll find 280s, 279s, 278s. You'll find like a lot of them. You'll find basically whatever anyone was playing in a double up or anything, they, they that's what they played in the single entry. But you'll find a lot of those, okay? So as long as you get enough relative value, you could exploit the fact that too many people are doing that. Now, there's still tons of people. Like when I say too many people, there's still probably more than half the field that are building lineups that you're looking to build also. So it's like you're you're fighting with them for that equity. Those those people putting in their cash line is kind of like seeding equity to you because there's not, not many bad lineups out there. But that's where the money comes from. If you look in that contest and you see, wow, people are actually actually building lineups like this and not building these cash lineups. And you look and you're like, not many people are building low projected lineups. Maybe you look for different contests to play. Either you look for different contests to play for the worst players for that build these two types of lineups, or you just have to get your, you have to get better than everyone else. So like in, if you're in the top 60 in this, that type of example before that you're in the top 10 spots and not the bottom 10 spots. So you could possibly get more than your fair share of at least the people fighting over all of that money. So that's contest selection. That this, this is payout equity and contest selection dynamics. Where does the money come from in GPP? The money comes from the bad lineups. If there weren't any bad quote unquote bad lineups where we wouldn't be able to beat the rake. And then the bad lineups, the good lineups would become bad lineups, right? Because it's all in relation to your opponents, right? There's no objectively bad lineup. It's a bad lineup in relation, right? You, If I showed you a lineup that uh, that uh, projected for 74 points in NFL, that's like uh, like half as, and you go, how the hell did you play that lineup? It's like, well, I was playing someone that was playing a lineup that had zero projection, right? So like, I don't have to play. I don't have to play it. I just have to play a better lineup than my opponent's. At that point, you're not going to find those those bad opponents, but always think in those terms. So if you sh- showed me a lineup and said, here in this, you know, is this a good lineup? I was playing large field. Like large field tend to have the similar dynamics. So I, a lot of times the same things apply. There's a, there's a lot more of these types of lineups. But if you're playing like the $250 Formax th- uh, in uh, NBA and you say, what do you think of this lineup? I look at the projection. I look at the ownership. I look at it like I look at whatever. Like a lot, a lot of times, you, like as long as long as you're not building a lineup that's like way too low projected, like you're you're probably fine, right? Like as far as the owner, you're not building a cash lineup, but you're not building like you're, you're probably fine. There's so many lineups that you could build like that, and just play in contests where that type of lineup is better than average than the bad lineups, the bad lineups. But remember. If you built that lineup and you're playing with no one that builds those types of lineups, your lineup becomes the bad lineup now, right? Your lineup that was good before is now bad, right? In the same way that if I step if I step into a contest where uh, 99 people are playing injured players and they're getting zeros, I could just build a lineup that like scores 20 points and I have all the equity in the contest. The same way applies that oh, I'm going to take my lineup now that has all the equity in this contest and put it into a contest with all the sharp people. And they're going to look at my lineup with 20 points of projection and go, what are you, stupid? It's like, yeah, but but in the contest that I was in, all 99 of my opponents played no one. It's like, yeah, but in this contest, we actually play people. Like, like no, you can't get away with that bad play, right? You're not playing against that bad. You're, everyone's better than you, right? Same dynamic. It's in relation. So let me go through the YouTube chat uh, and then we'll get out of here if anyone has any, any questions 
or comments. Uh, let's see. People talking about basketball. Grant Brown says, I imagine it's best to use industry aggregate projections for lineup review. Otherwise, you'll have some bias from the sites. Well, I'd, I think for this concept, not necessarily. I mean, because these are very broad. If, if you're, I'm explaining this not in the context of the difference of one point. Okay. Oh, this 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 lineup was 12 points lower projected. Is that is that considered a bad lineup? It's like like how many lineups in your contest are 40 points lower projected? And your projections, right? 30 points lower. Like the semantics of two minutes in basketball here and there for an extra three points in projection is not gonna matter when if, if based on your projections, if that there if you see lineups that are 30, 40 points lower, like in, in football. Like there's no target. Well, well, maybe th- maybe they have a target share of Tyreek Hill of seven million percent. I mean, like that's obviously wrong, right? So we're not talking about the like the the, the margins. We're talking about very obvious stuff, right? And then you then you move up from there. Uh, Daniel Hutchings, Nerdy Tanner, uh, I'll echo the the set the sentiment uh, the sentiment. The bad lineups in the big GPPs are really really bad. Good thing, too, with 15% rake. I've said it a million times. You need your opponents to lose more than the rake. Players that lose but lose less than the rake are costing you money. I think that goes, that goes along with my entire concept. You need to find those people. If you can't find those people, then no one then no one can be profitable with 15% rake. Neil Jaworski says the 100 mans under $5 are soft and only 10% rake, I believe, compared to the 15% in large field. I probably should prioritize more contests like that. Yes. This is what I'm talking about. It's about finding edges. Where do the edges lie? Where does the money come from? It comes from it comes from bad lineups that lose more than the rake. Find those players. Find those contests. Find, find the contests that they may be good players, but because of how they you know, diversify their action. They're actually building poor lineups for the contest that they're in and they're just not paying attention at $5, right? Those are those cash lineups that you see, like Empire Maker just throws into everything, right? So you could exploit that in the three, in the, the $5 range, not the lower than that because you can't play lower than that, right? Oh, let's see. Anything else? ANS Comedy says low dollar single entry like the Daily Dollar are so easy to read. Still got to make smart exploits, but definitely a lot of cash game styles lineups. Good way to grind. Yes. Yes. A lot of low stakes players are either playing like they're sitting on their toilet, right? Building a lineup 10 minutes before the slate and who knows who they're going to play. Probably probably not a, not the greatest of the lineups. Or they're thinking in terms of one of the best plays. And a lot of times if you're, Listening to our Roto Grinder shows, right? Especially when we're talking about the best plays, that that's a that's that's a projection sentiment. Best typically means, but who's in the best spot? This guy's in the best spot, right? Projection based, and they go, "Oh, I'm going to play the Daily Dollar, and just I'm going to play Roto Grinder says to play these best plays, right? Right? You have you know Dean and Kirkwood on a show or whatever. Oh, these are the best plays. I'm going to play all the best plays." If you go to our our lineup HQ, you go to our projections. You go, oh, I see the line. I see the numbers are higher here. Those are the best plays. Like if you play cat lineup non-progressive payout contest, yeah, you, that, that would be correct. 
But then when you listen to our other shows like Tournament Takes or my Game Theory show for NFL or the Solo Ship with Squirrel Patrol and JM to win, best play is has a different connotation. It's what do I think the player's projection is compared to their ownership? So it's like this player projects well and he's only going to be 4% owned. Yeah, the guy above him that projects two points better is going to be 30% owned. And it's like, well, that is the best play from a projection standpoint. But in relation to that player's ownership, the other guy is a better play if you were just to compare the two. If you looked at their distribution of outcomes, that one guy should not be six times more owned than the other guy in a vacuum, just comparing those two players. So who's the best play then? The other guy, right? In GPPs. Can you play nine of that style? Sure, as long as you don't lose enough projection where you're you're, you're playing a lineup that's too low projected. That's the crux of what building GPP lineups is. Finding your way to get more of your fair share of the equity, where, where most of the equity is in a contest. And by doing so, you're seeding equity elsewhere. You get It has to come from somewhere. So where does it come from? If you're seeding min cash equity, it has to be filled by someone. It's typically filled by these cash game style lineups or lineups that are just very lowly projected. So the more of that means the more profit for you. That you could you can build all the plus EV GPP style lineups you want, and your profit will be more will be more affected by far, by the opponent's mistakes than by your play, okay? And then let, let's wrap it up with uh, the whole play with whoever you want type of thing, right? We talked on Friday about the cash game stuff, right? How, what should you be spending your time on? You should be spending your time, if you're looking to do this for a profit long-term, if you're doing it for entertainment, have fun. Uh, you should be spending the most amount of your time on the things that derive you the most amount of money. So where does the money come from? Okay. The money comes from the bad players. The money comes from the... So if you had to choose between, I'm going to spend four hours deciding between, in GPP even, between one close lineup with another close lineup. Let's say you're playing single entry, right? You're playing one lineup only. And you're like, do I play this lineup or do I play that lineup? And based on your own metrics, based on projection, ownership, whatever, you go, these lineups are close. I could play, I could play this Packers stack with Ramondre Stevenson with this guy and that guy in it. Or I could play this lineup. It may be a 6v6 even. I mean, like it, but the two lineups, like you in your head, mathematically, between projection and ownership, you like these two lineups are very close to each other. If you had four hours to spend, which would be more useful? To really dial down and find which lineup you should play or spend four hours downloading CSVs of of, of contests that, that you're playing or look through the lobby for contests that have worse players. Like that type of stuff, the contest selection type of stuff, the edge finding stuff. Or spend four hours determining whether or not you're playing Dalvin Cook or Ramondre Stevenson. I think I think I, you know, I stand here to sit here on the webcam, whatever. And I say that since if you really understand where the money comes from, 
the difference between your two lineups are so marginal in relation to the other good lineups in the contest also, that why are you spending four hours on that? Like, if it's close enough. It's good. You're good. Maybe, maybe, maybe after four hours, you're like, this lineup is just slightly more plus EV. Okay, you did it. Right, you got to the answer. Slightly more. You'll get an extra 50 cents over the course of the next 20 years. Great. Congratulations. Was that a good use of your four hours of time? I think a better use of your four hours of time is, is the contest I'm playing even worth playing? <laughs> like, that's more worth your time. Spending four hours just like, I've been playing this contest for a year. I'm not even sure. I've been profitable, but maybe it's just short-term variance. And maybe this contest actually isn't all that profitable. Maybe I better, maybe this, I, I'm usually playing the $50 single entry, but maybe it turns out that the $27 single entry is way softer for some reason. Who knows what the reason is, but maybe it's softer for some reason. Maybe the $12 is softer for some reason. Maybe, maybe it turns out like Nerdy Tenor would attest to that one of the softest contests in NFL on DraftKings is the $100 spot. Not, not the $12 single entry of the $50 red zone. The $100 spy specifically is one of the softest contests in the lobby outside of the Millie Maker, which is the Millie Maker. Realizing your, your EV is, is obviously insane. But the $100 spy, one of the softest contests. And typically that contest in the sport, like in MLB, whatever that single entry, the whatever the one, the first three three figure single entry, this one of the softest contests primarily because you see so many more of these cash game style lineups right you see so much more of that and it's very easy to leverage off of those so like you would you wouldn't think that you would think oh i'm with a hundred let's say you have a hundred dollars and you're just a single entry gpp player type type of you're a single entry style gpp player so you're like i'm gonna spend the hundred dollars by having an entry in the $9 contest and the $12 contest and the $15 single entry and the $27 single entry and the $50 single entry, right? So you're playing five lower stakes single entry and that all adds up to about a hundred bucks, right? It's quite possible that you'd be more profitable taking all of that and putting one that, that same entry and just putting in the $100 single entry and that's it. You might actually be more profitable there. If you were to actually to study the contests, you would have, you probably, in, in MLB, you probably would have already found that out. That that contest is softer than even the, 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 the $5 single entry, which is obviously a little bit bigger field, but it's, it's actually softer because there are more lineups, the cash style lineups. There's not as many, there's nowhere near as many of the really PPP lineups, but it's so exploitable that it becomes the softest. It becomes the softest contest as long as you have some amount of of concept of like leveraging that of not tr- not playing the six of the same damn guys in your lineup that everyone else is like if some if you just go i'm gonna just kind of do like a 5v5 i'm gonna or like in mlb a different a stack or something like that you go I'm, it's like as long as i just don't play the the cardinals and cores today that are going to be 40 plus percent owned I, like i could play whatever the highest project i could just whatever the highest other stack is just that's it i'm good that's it because so many, because these guys are way over right? Daniel Hutchins says confirmed the single entry one twenty one MLB is very soft. Dude, come to the same conclusions. Trevor asks before we get out of here. It's a long episode. I don't know what the title should be. Title should title. Should, someone come up with the title in the YouTube chat. 
GPP. I don't want to say where the money comes from because that was last week. But uh, like the GPP, G, G, GPP, where the where the GPP, I don't know. GPP distribution. To, I don't know. That's kind of boring. Whatever. Someone someone in the chat come up with it or Devin to come up with it or something. Uh, Trevor says, from a bankroll management perspective, should you spend a much higher percentage of your bankroll in the first week or two of a sports season than reduce it later, later, later as the fish lose interest? Typically, yes. Right? Yeah, that's a profit distribution in GPPs. That sounds good. I like that. Unless someone could come up with something better. Uh, it's not like I won't talk about this again, right? It'll be at some point. Uh, you know, this is covered in the course. Uh, so, yeah, from a bankroll management perspective, you want... Where does the money come from? The money comes from the bad players. Just, 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 just put that in your mind. The money doesn't come from you're the you're the best, right? You just have to be better than average than than the field that you're playing. So if you just find the weaker fields, you're that that's more important than than you still want to get good, right? You, still, you I mean, yeah, don't just sit there going, I know it all, and just I let me just find the bad players, right? But you should be spending more of your time, at least more time than you have been than most people do. I'm finding the way the bad players are and playing in those contests versus contests that, that don't. So your first, especially, especially if you're playing on a small bankroll, especially if you're just starting out, especially when you could play the $1, the quarter arcade, one of those times, if you're playing $30 a slate every day in NBA, like dude, put those $30 to the best damn you. I mean, dude, if you can't find the weakest crap for $30 in total, and maybe this con a dollar contest there. It maybe maybe you're playing the hundred mans. Maybe you're playing the three mans. Dude, you should be able to find th the highest EV stuff for thirty dollars, right? You should be able to do that. Now, is it worth the time? Because from an hourly perspective, probably not. But if you're looking to get better, that's what you'd be doing. But if you're looking to play thirty thousand dollars, yeah, that, that that that's tough to find. And now now you can you're gonna have to face. Uh, you know, the, now you're gonna have to compete against all all the great people, right? And fight over that equity, right? But at three thirty dollars, three hundred dollars, even, dude, I can even I, in some sports even three thousand dollars. You should be able to find up across multiple sites, especially. So not just DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, SuperDraft, wherever. That's to, if you just look logically, that's where the money comes from. So why not find it? Spend your time finding the money rather than worrying about should you be Dalvin Cook or Ramondre Stevenson when you already have the numbers. You already have the numbers. You're not building your own model. You're not doing you, you have yet yeah, we subscribe to Rotogrind. You have the numbers. What 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 are you spending? What are you spending an entire day, Saturday, or an entire Sunday morning debating a 2v2? That's close. As long as you're playing against horrible people, then either is fine. The outcomes may be wide, but as far as like the, the mathematical decision, it, it, why are you spending so much time on that? Spend that time, even if it's a half an hour, go, I'm going to go in the lobby and see and see what, download CSVs. And I'm going to spend this half an hour. I haven't really looked at a lot of these contests for the past eight weeks. Let me say, is the number, is the number of cash lineups versus PPP lineups going, going down or up or whatever, right? Figure that out. How many 150 maxers are in the the slant versus the, the the flea flicker versus the what and like doing that will have a bigger impact on your ROI than your two v two decisions easily hands down and that's the main reason why like to oh two v two what do I do is is this, is a stupid question is really you if you're at the point where that's where the edge is if that's where the money comes from no one's winning 
The rake is eating us all at that point. So is there an objective answer to that 2v2? Probably. It's very probably very close. And it's probably not going to affect your it's not going to affect your win rate. It's not going to affect your ROI. Like it's not going to be noticeable. It's going to feel noticeable when one when one the one 2v2 scores 30 points more than the other 2v2. But that's what a distribution of outcomes is. Don't worry about the the, the results in, of one slate. But yes, and, and typically in the first two weeks or whatever, early in a, in a season of a sport, there's more casual participation. By the end of it, there's less. You'd notice that if you download the CSVs and saw. <gasps> Spending your time seeing where the bad players are. That's what I spend a lot of my time doing. That's what I did spend a lot of my time doing in 2017, 18, and 19. Studying the contest. What are the bad players? And they tend to be the same over and over again. Tend, the trends every year tend to be similar, right? So I don't have to download CSVs as much as I used to three years ago, four years ago. It's kind of the same. Players have gotten a little bit better. The, the, the mar- it's gone up. But if you just went through and go like, where am I spending my money in the right spots? Like that's just so much more worth your time than debating a 2v2. So much more worth your time. So please, if you learn anything, learn where the money comes from. Learn to go after bad players. Get better yourself. So the line of what bad players are is, is much lower for you because you're better than more of the players. So there you go. Rob King says the pros can't play in $3 or less on FanDuel. That's correct. Same same for DraftKings. Unless it's a contest that has at least $25,000 or like there's some, you know, if it's a really big, like the like the, the play action, like I could play in the play action on NFL. It's a $3.20 max contest for NFL, but the prize pool is what? $500,000? Like you, they could play in those. FanDuel, I don't know what their their dynamics are, but yeah. So especially if you, if you haven't hit the restricted limit left yet, like go find the dollar. Go go. Oh, I'm, I'm playing three hundred dollars worth of volume. So play three hundred dollars worth of dollar and fifty cent contests. That's that's what if you can find where the bad players are. Then just do all that. Yeah, but that's a lot of work, right? It's all because you got to enter a lot more contests. You got to look. I got to load up FanDuel again. I go okay. Enter this this this. That's better time. That's trust me. That's better. I in NBA for what two seasons ago or last season? I forgot. I essentially pressed a single button, right, to build my lineup in FanDuel NBA, and I played every slate of the entire season, maybe not the last two weeks, I think, on FanDuel. DraftKings, much tougher. But on FanDuel, I just played all the $1.50-50s. $1.50-50s, $2.50-50s, uh, $1 heads-ups, head-to-head, $2, like just, just the lows, because I was still eligible for low stakes. Uh, back then, because I didn't play as much volume on FanDuel over the first five years of me playing DFS, and like my 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 win rate was like sixty eight percent, my ROI was like like sixteen percent. I made twenty grand just from that, right? Playing like five hundred to a thousand dollars and just dollars and two dollars and one and like just that, that's it. The competition was that poor that I could just play the median projected optimal of the, and our NBA projections and just and could go, right? So how long did it take me to build the lineup? One second, literally one second. I didn't even know who, I, some slates, I wouldn't even know who was playing. I didn't know. Just like when you just got a 655, okay, I look at the timestamp, I put in that lineup and there you go. You know what I spent most of my time doing? Throughout the course of the day, entering contests. 
right? The night before entering all the, the $1, 100 man, 50 fifties that they had posted. And then in the morning they wake up and there's new ones that respawn. Enter those, go through the head to head lobby and go, is there anyone I don't recognize? $2 head to head there, $1 head to head there. I'm post, I posted head to head. So I'm like, so like every, every hour or so, or when I would go to the bathroom or something or something, you know, out of the garage. Oh, I got out of the grocery store and I'm going to, before I get in the car, I'm going to check my phone again. I would spend little bits of time, five minutes here, five minutes there. And then also after building the lineup at like 6.55 Eastern, the last three minutes, we're in the FanDuel lobby looking for overlay, right? They have, oh, there's still a double up contest that's, uh, you know, that even it's a $25 double up, but it's only like 32 out of 45. And I'm like, there's only two minutes left. I don't think this fills to 45. So that's overlay, right? Looking through, looking through. Is there any... Any guaranteed contest, even if it's a GPP, sometimes you'll find like a, a $1, $1, 250 man GPP. They posted only like basically a couple of minutes ago and it's two minutes to go. There's like 68 out of like 250. Like get, I'll, I'll throw my cash lineup in that. Like half the field is gone. Like that's more useful time. That's going to impact your, your ROI more than, do, do I play Jokic or Giannis? Like that, I, I'm telling you, please. Right? I'm begging you. I'm begging you, please, because then people are going to show up tomorrow. Should I play Jokic or Giannis? Right? Those are the those are the dumb questions. Those are the truly stupid questions. Okay. Long show, but I think it was worthwhile. This is something that could be evergreen, so that's why I like it. So let's let's name it. Uh, let's name it something. Profit distribution in GPPs or GPP profit distribution, something like that. Something like that. So we can at least reference it. In the past, and I'll probably, dude, I'll probably make some type. Do I should I save this? Should I save this graph? No, I'll probably draw an even dumber one, like a month from now when I have to go over this again. But uh, but there you go. If you want to learn more about these types of concepts, obviously get the theory of daily fantasy sports, fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass, how to think like a professional DFS player, as well as theory for DFS for advanced players, how to apply profitable DFS strategies in a systematic, repeatable, and time efficient way. That's 10 chapters of audio, as well as the custom Excel tools that I use, James McCool use, and a whole ton of people use to get more efficient, more precise, and uh, and compare lineups and, and, and review your play. So theoryofdfs.com. Hit that thumbs up button. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. We got uh, NBA tonight. We got, there's not much going on today. Uh, the, the prop shop, do we got, we got stuff going on. We got stuff. We got the last week at NFL regular season. We still got playoff stuff. So subscribe to Roto Grinders, even for the playoff stuff. So, uh, click on that link in the description, get $10 off your first month of a Roto Grinders combo premium subscription. And, uh, if you've got questions, I got answers. So email questions at theory And we'll be talking about them on the show every Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.